Philemon deals with a very sensitive topic, which is a big struggle for a lot of people when it comes to scripture. So we're going to spend just a few minutes talking this through together. So what is Philemon? Okay, first of all, one of the shortest letters, especially the New Testament, uh, it's a letter by the Apostle Paul written to a person named Philemon. Uh, Paul was in prison at the time. We're not sure if it was his early imprisonment. Could have been, probably would have been later in Rome uh, when Timothy came to greet him. Paul is sending a letter back to the church in Colossians, the letter that you're reading this week. And with it, he is sending this extra shorter letter with one of the people he's sending back, a person named Onesimus. So let's talk about these people first and then dive into what they mean. Philemon is the overseer of a house church. Uh, so if you read First, Second Timothy and they talk about what overseers were, that was the person who was basically in charge. That was the person who oversaw the house church there. So he was a Gentile believer overseeing his house church and Philemon was a slave owner. So right there, we're already kind of dealing with some difficult issues. To make matters worse, Onesimus, a word that means useless, was a runaway slave who left Philemon's household. And we think probably maybe even stole some stuff at the time. At some point, Onesimus, having run away, encountered Paul, converted, became a Christian, and started to serve Paul and learn from him. And Paul actually grew to very love him and care about him. And now, as Paul is sending this letter called Colossians back to the church in Colossae, he's sending Onesimus back to Philemon, to the person he ran away from and stole from, to carry this little letter called Philemon, essentially asking Philemon, the, the slave owner, to forgive and potentially even send Onesimus back. So that's that's what's happening. So a couple of things that are important for you to understand behind the scenes. First of all, yes, slavery is a difficult topic, obviously, a very difficult topic to discuss. It's really hard to get around though. Um, and you, you can't understand a letter like this unless you understand the context of it. So Paul is working with a what is a generally accepted part of the ancient world. It's believed that at the time Paul was writing, as much as a third of the people living in the city of Rome were in some form of slavery. Uh, slavery wasn't based on race. Uh, that be, was a much later thing that happened, especially in the Americas. Uh, slavery was often based on uh, something that you were a prisoner of war. Maybe you ran out of money and you sold yourself or your child into it. You could be born into slavery. A lot of slaves were babies that were abandoned. There's different reasons you could fall into slavery. Um, it wasn't racial, but it was still terrible. It wasn't a good life. And to be a slave was a matter of legal status, okay? It, was a matter of, it wasn't a matter of race. It wasn't what color skin you were. In the biblical times, it was a matter of legal. You had no rights. You were owned by another person. So Philemon, who was a Christian, and that's difficult in itself, and the overseer of his house, uh, essentially owned Onesimus. It was his legal property. I know that's weird. It makes it awkward. I, I get that. But it's, we, this is the context of the letter. And Onesimus committed two crimes. The first crime was running away. Uh, it was illegal for a slave to run away in the Roman Empire. Uh, it was actually a punishable by death. And here's the other thing to know. If a slave ran away, which was a major crime in the empire, anyone who harbored the slave helped the slave escape or uh, you know, gave the place, slave a place to stay was also guilty under the law. So Paul, taking Onesimus in, working with him, helping him find Jesus, all these kind of things, helping him become a Christian, was breaking the law. And he's probably in prison at the same time. So there's this element of Paul doing what the law required, which was sending Onesimus back. But rather than just be like, hey, sorry, buddy, you need to go back, deal with it. Paul sends him back with a letter. 
And the letter calls upon Philemon to to act and behave in a very different way than most of the world usually would. So that's what we're reading. Uh, and the other crime was committed is he, not only did he run away, it sounds like he stole some stuff too. So Philemon has a lot of reason to be angry. Um, and probably, you know, in the normal culture, if Philemon had caught Onesimus and they weren't Christians, he could have him executed, definitely have him beaten or whipped or all these kind of things. Um, like it would not have gone well for Onesimus had he been caught. But here's Paul saying, forget about being caught. I want you to voluntarily go back and take this letter with you and deal with the consequences, which that's heavy, right? And it raises a lot of questions for us, questions about, you know, the morality of slavery, what the Bible says, not say about it. This is a New Testament survey course, so we're not, we can't get super into that. But I just wanted to give you the background of the letter. Um, the other thing to know about these letters is the way that it would work is when someone like Paul would send a letter back to a church like this, the person that he sent the letter with would often stand up in front of the entire church and read the letter. So we know like the book of Romans, he sent Phoebe. So Phoebe would go to the house churches, stand in front of all the people and read the letter to Romans and often interact with the people. And well, this is what Paul meant by it. So imagine being Onesimus, you are a slave who's run away, stolen from this guy. Now you're coming back kind of at his mercy, and you're standing up and reading a letter in front of all these people. That's basically like Paul saying, I want you to be kind, forgive, and potentially even let this guy go. Um, that's <laughs> been a lot. Uh, Philemon's whole family would have been there. They would have all been listening, and they all probably would have been angry at this guy. And honestly, the other slaves who hadn't run away would have been like, who's this guy coming back now? Uh, there's so much weird tension that would have been happening. This would have been, a, I, just to be a fly on the wall when Onesimus was standing there reading this letter to everyone, uh, it would have been very interesting. Um, now, the letter itself is very short, and it has very interesting language. So the thing that you see is Paul and keep this in mind when you're reading this short letter. What you see is that Paul clearly wants Philemon to do something. Like Paul clearly has an agenda, but he doesn't just come out and be like, Philemon, do this. I'm commanding you. Instead, Paul kind of appeals to him and says, you know, like, think about all that I've done for you. And, you know, you're, we're both servants in Christ. And he uses all this kind of dear friend language because friendship in the ancient world demanded reciprocation. Paul is clearly looking for a favor here and doesn't want to pull the apostle card. He never does that. Uh, instead, he appeals to Philemon's commitment to Jesus. He appeals to his friendship and his loyalty and the, the cause of Christ. And Onesimus, useless, has actually now become useful in the gospel message. Um, but Paul also wants to be careful not to push too hard. So there's a lot of grace, a lot of courtesy. That's why the letter is such a, it's an awkward tension you're kind of reading in this short letter where Paul wants Philemon to do something, something which would have been counter to the culture something that Philemon was under no obligation to do whatsoever. Philemon had legal rights to do whatever he wanted with Onesimus. Instead, here's Paul saying, I want you to consider doing something different because of Christ. So he chooses not to order him. Uh, he he kind of points like, you know, I could call in a favor right now, Philemon. After all, uh, you're a Christian because of me, but I'm not going to do that. No, 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 I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm just going to appeal to your commitment to Jesus. And, you know, it's almost, is there some manipulation going on here? Maybe, um, but it makes for kind of a fun little read. But Paul essentially uh, shifts to expecting Philemon's obedience by the end of the letter, not just because Paul's an apostle, but because of the, the mission and what Jesus is. So there's a lot of the gospel in Philemon. Um, however, even in saying that, when I say there's a lot of the gospel in Philemon, under the whole thing is slavery, and slavery is gross. 
Um, and in fact, over the centuries that followed, Philemon would be used by Christians to affirm slavery. Um, that even, even within the third and fourth centuries, we see Christian pastors, people that we study and read, using Philemon to say that a runaway slave should be sent back and even punished. And Paul, and this is the hardest part about the letter. We're just going to acknowledge it. Paul doesn't show any signs of pushing for or being interested in what we would call manumission or releasing Onesimus from slavery. Paul at no point in this letter or any other letter uh, does much to talk about changing the system of, of slavery. In fact, it, it, even we see him talk about a little bit in, in Ephesians and Timothy as well. For Paul, he's not looking for a political social revolution to the idea of slavery or other things. Instead, what Paul seems to be interested in, this is, this is kind of how in his letter, Paul's interest is the dynamic of the Christian community. For Paul, you have this person with no legal rights owned by this homeowner, this household powerful person, and the, the empire says, this person has power and this person doesn't, so you do whatever you want and you're at the mercy. And here's Paul saying, I'm not speaking into the morality of slavery. Paul never says slavery is good, but he never says slavery is bad either. I, I think we all wish the last 2,000 years of human history probably wishes Paul had said, hey, slavery is evil. Stop it. He never does. But what he does do is he speaks to the power dynamics. And he calls on Philemon to see his relationship with Onesimus differently. Yes, the empire says that you're the man, you're powerful, you own this guy, you can do whatever you want. But consider Christ who himself became like a slave and how he's called us to create a new community that loves each other. So Paul's basically like, I want you to welcome him back and forgive him for what he's done wrong. And don't just welcome him back as, a, as just a slave. Welcome him back as a brother. Now, I, I want to speak to this because it's difficult. Welcoming him back as a brother did not mean give him his freedom. Uh, it does seem that Paul kind of hopes that maybe Philemon would send Onesimus back so he could go back and work with Paul while Paul's in prison. But that didn't necessarily mean as a free person. It could have still been as a slave. Paul never actually commands Philemon to give Onesimus his freedom. So that's why many, even, even as much soon as 150 years ago in America, you had Christian pastors uh, using Philemon to defend slavery. Because, oh, look, Paul told him to go. Paul never said to be free. Paul was okay with slavery. And that's a whole other conversation we can have. Um, but what we do see is Paul's not speaking directly against slavery, but he's, he's, he's speaking about the relationship among the Christian community, um, how they viewed each other as not master and slave, but as actually brothers in Christ. So Paul's heart in this letter is for the Christians to view this idea of status, of value, of worth. I'm important. You're not important. Paul wants to undermine all of that. Well, I'm powerful. I'm a household manager. You're a lowly slave. Paul's saying the gospel comes to us and calls us to rethink all of that, to actually see people that seem beneath you as equals and brothers and sisters, to move a slave from the margins of the family to the family table. We saw that in Corinthians, remember, about when we get together for the Lord's Supper, it should be everybody, slaves and everybody. Now, it's hard again, and I'll come back to it. Um, Onesimus probably remained a slave, uh, but the key is that Philemon would welcome him as a slave, welcome him, not, not beat him and demand, like, but welcome him back. And you think this can be very hard for us. How could a Christian community, a Christian group of people living in this household together, some be slaves and some not, and then love each other and be, it, it kind of messes with us. 
Well, yeah, <laughs> it would have messed with them too. This would have been a radical thought. Imagine being all the other people sitting in the room hearing this letter read where Paul is encouraging the household patriarch to welcome back a runaway slave who had stolen as a brother and forgive him and show him love and grace and mercy. They would have been siblings and maybe maybe other aunts and uncles hearing them like, no, he's a runaway slave, beat him, you know? And then the other slaves would have been like, how is he going to respond? Because <laughs> how he responds to them could determine how he's going to treat us. Um, we don't know how it ended, but we can assume that Philemon probably did what Paul wanted because the letter got kept. Uh, and there's even references to an Onesimus being the first first bishop of, of Ephesus. Uh, and it's possible it's the same Onesimus. So unfortunately, no, Paul never does anything to directly speak against slavery. Um, some people say like, well, he was planting the seeds of undermining slavery. Well, uh, a famous New Testament scholar named Scott McKnight says, and uh, I'm going to read a quote to you. Scott McKnight says, um, if Paul was planting a seed to end slavery, the early church didn't water it. Uh, because even as late as the third century, we see uh, quotes from people like Cyprian um, continuing on John Christostom, others, slavery be was a normal part of their lives. Um, they believed they were to treat their slaves better, but the idea that slavery was a moral evil didn't sink into the early church. And the truth is the scriptures don't ever say it's a moral evil. That's tough. I get that. Um, it doesn't mean God's in favor of slavery. It just means there's, we definitely wish that more had been said. What Paul does do is he simply is working within the world that he lives in where slavery is a normal part of it. And a third of the population is in some form of indentured slavery. Paul isn't trying to upend the apple cart and make some radical social change that way. Instead, he's kind of working from within and saying, in this Christian community, we're going to view each other differently. Philemon, I want to challenge you to see Onesimus not as your property, but as a brother in Christ. And that would have reverberations for centuries and still does today. So Philemon's a difficult book. There's a lot to it. Um, it's very short, but man, it's explosive and for what it says and what it doesn't say. But as students of scripture, we got to learn how to navigate it well to be able to talk to others about it. Because there are people who say like, oh, Philemon's proof the Bible's pro-slavery. No, no, it's not pro-slavery. It's just working within a world that's accepted slavery. Okay, so that's a short, that's a that's an overview of a very short book, but hopefully this was helpful. Uh, and uh, yeah, as you continue to work through the New Testament, um, yeah, let's keep being diligent students of the scriptures and seeing what's behind it and what's in there and unpacking as best as possible.